All right, now it's time for Shadows Follow. So without any hesitation, I will now press play. Has that, you know, that jerk, 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 jerk. It's that galloping and like that machine gun snare. And it's just building, 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 boom. And it eases into the groove. Okay, so it's, uh, we're continuing with the theme that Hetfield had from the title track, 72 Seasons. So shut my eyes just to hide from the fate. Again, it's like something he is destined for uh, and trying to run away from this, but obviously this is the shadow. And if he is referring to what I think he might be referring to, if not, I'll still kind of, I'll go into uh, uh, Jung's uh, shadow in in a little bit, or at least the theory behind it in a little bit. Okay, so demonized, liquefied, tranquilized, uh, you know, liquefied, tranquilized, that's obviously um, uh, substance use. And um, as far as demonized, uh, demonized means to, uh, to like, portray someone as evil. Um, so... Uh, Portrayed as evil. Um, if this, if we're going into the first eighteen years, it could very well mean what went on in the home, uh, which could lead to the liquefying and and tranquilizing. If uh, you're told you're a demon, or if you're told that you're evil, you will believe that you are. Especially growing up, it's uh, our minds are so impressionable growing up. Um, so as a way to cope with those thoughts, you you drink, you numb. Uh, liquefied, tranquilized, and again, prophesized just to hide from life. Again, faded, just like in 72 seasons. It's all destined. This is the same thing. Uh, Prophesized just to hide from life. Night and day, led astray in decay. Come what may not to face that fight. And uh, night and day, led astray in decay, um, you know, just rotting away probably due to the be- behaviors to try to cope with all the thoughts uh, and possibly actions, um, a way to uh, try to mitigate uh, feelings of, you know, uh, mitigate uh, regret, guilt, um, and come what may not to face that fight. So could be the fight uh, to try to get better um, or to fight, you know, uh, fight, you know, maybe in a helpful way to cope with those thoughts. So as one goes on and breathes, um, the, the nightmares keep getting worse. And no matter where you go, that shadow is going to be with you, so you you can't. There's that saying: wherever you go, there you are. You, you can't escape yourself because you're always there. And what do people do sometimes to try to get away from themselves? Again, turn to the behaviors. In Hetfield's uh, case, it's uh, substance use. And there's that repeating theme again. Uh, well, first let's just. Well, it's a repeating theme. It's no matter where he goes, it's going to hunt me. The beast is hungry, like a wolf on a hunt. You know. Uh, 
makes me think of of Wolf of Man from the Black Album. Uh, Closing in, it won't let me be. Uh, so this is, you know, again, the shadow. The the uh, if we're looking in the Young's analysis of of the shadow, it's it's the 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 parts of ourselves that we don't want to admit that are there. So. Uh, if that's the case, even if it isn't, there is something that he doesn't want to be after him. After him, he's considered. He's calling himself a prey. And again, going back to this is destined. So I'm so curious if, within the first 72 seasons, the first 18 years of his life, was he told that this is your destiny, that you are going to be chased by these demons for the rest of your life, and no matter what you try to do, you're gonna get caught. I'd be so curious to find that out. Uh, from uh, from Headfield, and then it goes back to you know uh, the pre-chorus and then into the chorus. Great harmonies by Headfield. It's gonna get into the breakdown. Nice Metallica breakdown. Oh wait, maybe not yet. Pro- probably soon. And then just on um, a word on Hetfield's voice, you know, it's still strong. I find it like his voice goes through, a, has been through a lot of changes since since Kill 'Em All. So during Kill 'Em All, even like pre Kill 'Em All, he almost sounded like Rob Halford. It was very high like that. And then when he did Kill 'Em All, it started to get like really raspy and, and like screaming, like the way a child would scream, like during Hit the Lights, it would get really high up there. And then throughout, you know, Ride the Lightning, it got a little lower, but it was still that that high-pitched uh, gruffness to it. So uh, through um, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, it, it was kind of kind of the same. Again, just that, that scream that's there. Around you know, and then just and then uh, Garage Days was the the same thing, and then the first Garage Days. Then around um, Justice, it started to get a little lower. You started to get the yeah in there, and then through in the Black Album, it it if you listen to his voice today compared to the Black Album, the Black Album's voice was higher, um, but we started to get into that that head field yeah, um, but still. The scream was there. And then, like, around, I think he, he blew out his voice around this time. And I think yeah, I, I noticed the difference, especially when I saw them in 94. Uh, Headfield started to use a singing voice more than the, yeah, more than the, the growl. And his singing voice is still good. He just used that more. And then, um, you know, throughout Load and Reload, the uh, he still had that, you know, that, that yeah to him uh and then throughout you know, garage inc and all that and then with saint anger just the the sound was so different uh, just the way that his voice was recorded was just so raw so it was that rawness and the breaking in his voice that they purposely you know wanted that that album to to be like uh and then you know you you get up to they didn't record until uh death magnetic and with Death Magnetic, it was that combination of, you know, the his natural singing voice, but still with that with that growl. And then I found with with Hardwired, it was a very strong singing voice, uh, especially like a song like uh, 
like like Halo on uh, Halo on Fire, but then the title track there was there was that there was that growl to it, um, and then to bring it back around to um, seventy two seasons, he has a singing voice, but there's like a strain to his voice. Uh, there's there's much more of a, a graveliness and, and a strain to it. Again, it's still good. Uh, it's just different. Uh, and that's how his voice changes and evolves. Um, uh, but again, still still very strong. And and one of my favorite singers just just for that emotion. You know, there are plenty of singers who have a better technical singing voice than him. But I think what makes Hetfield's voice so special, at least to me, is um, is the emotion and the power behind that. And then you combine it with what I think are incredible and just powerful lyrics. Uh, it it makes that that incredible formula that is Metallica to this day. Obviously, I, I love the album, and they they he really sounded good live, just different than what he did in 1991 and, and 1989. It's just with that kind of voice, it's I would imagine it's it's such a workout on your uh, on your vocal cords with the nothing I know about singing. So there you go. Oh, here's the breakdown. Yep, and so going back to his way, shut my eyes, like that, instead of like, shut my eyes, but still just, it's obviously Hetfield. Um, such a, what I feel is unique voice in in music that's that's been copied a lot, but still. And then not to mention just the emotion behind the voice. His lyrics could be, you know, he could be singing Mary Had a Little Lamb, but if he puts that emotion into it, that's what makes Metallica so special. It's the emotion behind his voice. So Cut and Run, Hide Away from Fate. Again, here we go back to Fate. Uh, and Cover Up, Try to Hide the Hate. So it could be hatred towards himself, which people with uh, substance abuse issues, uh, there could be a self-hatred there and, you know, trying to cover those thoughts of self-hatred or try to numb those thoughts of self-hatred with, with alcohol. And it's so interesting. Thoughts are such amazing things. We, we can't, I mean, they have no physical presence. We can't see them, but they're so powerful and they can bring they can bring us down and, and they can they can lift us up. So try to hide from the hate, either hatred of himself or hatred of, of others. I would imagine it's hatred of himself. And like a wolf, it won't let me be. So again, it's that that shadow and that voice is there. That was the voice in Sad But True. You listen to Sad But True, it is that inner critic, that inner critic to where the, the narrator of the song ends up, you know, dying, I believe, at the end because of those thoughts. Now, what what someone can be like through therapy what someone can be taught to do is try not to hate those thoughts even though they're saying terrible things even though you are saying terrible things about you you're still you so if you approach those thoughts of please shut up please leave me alone i hate you i hate you i hate you you're you're saying that to yourself so one way to reframe those terrible thoughts of of hatred towards yourself is approaching that with with compassion because you are pr- approaching yourself with compassion. So it's it's looking at it and going, what are these intrusive, ruminating, terrible thoughts 
How are they serving me? What are they trying to tell me? And typically those thoughts are used as a distraction from trying to feel uh, your emotions. So whether it's rage, anger, sadness, uh, those thoughts are there to distract you. So if you look at it as, okay, these are terrible thoughts, but they're doing a great job of distracting me because the mind doesn't want you to feel those emotions. It views those as danger. So it's like, well, let's create these, let's not create, let's have these thoughts based on life experiences, the way that we've been uh, spoken to, we tend to internalize them. So if, if we, if people have spoken to us in a hateful manner, especially those who have raised us, spoken to us in a hateful manner and criticized us and lecture us, children tend to internalize those things and then turn those thoughts into their own. So uh, one way to do it is you could figure out the origin of those thoughts and where they're coming from and then realize what they're distracting you from. So let's say in my example, you have a uh, parent telling a child hateful things, the child tells themselves hateful things. One thing that, that, that you can do with, with a therapist is, um, is talk about the emotions that you're holding in. You know, and it could very well be the hatred of the parent that are telling that's telling you hateful things. And in our society, I think it's getting a little better, but it's considered you know uh, taboo to uh, to to have this hatred towards your parents. It's like, well, how can you say that? They're, your your mother, your father did their best, and you shouldn't hate them. What's wrong with you? How can you dare be angry at them? The what they've done for you, you know. So therefore, what do you do? You hold it in. So what's what's um, the space that therapy provides is is that yeah, you can express the hatred towards your parents. You can express your anger, your sadness towards them uh, based on how they were raised, which is tough to do because, again, if you're told your whole life not to do something, it's sometimes hard to go, well, I hate my parents. At least I hate this specific action that they did. Um, doesn't mean you hate your parents. You could, but it could also mean that you still love your parents and just hate this action that they did. And you can hold space for both love and hate for anyone. It's called a dialectic. You, you can have two conflicting emotions all happening at the same time. It is very fascinating. It's probably one of the things that fascinates me most about, uh, about human beings, uh, about ourselves. So, um, so in therapy, you were thought, taught to identify and explore and hopefully feel those emotions because when you feel those emotions, those thoughts that Hetfield is so brilliantly writing about tend to dissipate. And if you do get those intrusive thoughts, you start to realize where they're coming from. You start to realize they're, where they're coming from. They become less powerful. They become less powerful. And you can go on with your life because the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are going to be helpful as opposed to hurtful. Some harmonies with the guitar, that twin attack from Hetfield and Hammett. And back to the to the That's how I describe it. And he said, wish it away, you know, wishing the thoughts away. And unfortunately, wishing the thoughts away usually doesn't help. Um, it's accepting the thoughts. That, that could do it. Because the more you try and yell at yourself and wish those thoughts away, they can become stronger. It would be nice if you can just go, go away thoughts, and they would go away. It'd, you know, it'd uh, be a lot easier to deal with them. 
It's like you, I'm automatically headbanging. You just can't help it. And then it goes back to the, the pre-chorus. Now, it's like Hetfield was listening to me because he knew I would in the future when he wrote these lyrics be, be analyzing them. But he has the answer at the end of the lyrics. It's, um, it's interesting where, where in Sad But True, it's, you know, hey, hey, I'm your life. I'm the one who took you there. Hey, hey, I'm your life and I no longer care, uh, which could just either mean death for the, the subject of the song or just, a, you know, a lifetime of misery or more misery. What Hetfield puts in this song as a sign of hope it's facing his de- his demons now i know and i remember it was the so what interview with him which if if you're a fan of headfield or any of the guys on metallica ulrich didn't do the 72 seasons interview but trujillo hammond and headfield did headfields I, I loved because he said something about um you know uh, getting to know your demon having your d- demon over for dinner once you know your demon it becomes less powerful. Something like that, I'm paraphrasing it. And he puts this in the song. So facing my demons, now I know. Uh, If I run, still my shadows follow. I say no, still my shadows follow. And yes, the shadows could follow you, but a solution to that is choosing how to respond when your shadow does follow because you're not going to get rid of the shadow, but you can certainly... uh, Accept that it's there and, you know, not have it bother you in the way that it's been bothering you in the past. One way to reframe it is this is my shadow and my shadow is trying to tell me something in its own weird and terribly unique way. (laughs) I wish it was um, a little more helpful. Actually, I wish it was a lot more helpful. But in its own way, it's our mind trying to say there is danger here. We're trying to help you. This is the warning light. go see someone to try and figure out how to, you know, turn this warning light off. And one way is facing those demons, talking about it again in, in a, in a, in a safe space without judgment. That's what safe spaces are. They are just spaces where people don't criticize you and judge you for your thoughts, for your emotions. You are just listened to. And when you're listened to, you tend to feel better. And it's hard to do, especially in social media, or especially if you're over for a holiday dinner or any kind of way, even for people you care about, there's going to be criticism, unfortunately. So it's finding a space in therapy to to just let it out without having someone criticize you. If you have a therapist who criticizes you, uh, that would be a red flag, at least, at least for me. Always that wah, follow, wah, a little bit there. But not that guttural scream that he used to have just when he was young, but still very, very strong, very strong voice. Like the hardwired voice was uh, a lot of, from what I remember, a lot of singing in it, like a lot of singing. It was almost like it was modulated to be like, to be like a soaring kind of voice. This is more gravelly compared to hardwired and hardwired was like, whatever, 2016, that's like seven years ago. They got to release albums, you know, more frequently, damn it. More studio albums. So I said I would briefly, did I say briefly? I don't even know anymore. 
but I'll, I, I said I would touch upon what the Jungian archetype of the shadow is, and maybe Hetfield singing about this. Um, but the shadow is, you know, the the part of ourselves that that are repressed. Um, so uh, again, uh, things that we may not want to say just due to due to. Uh, uh, the social acceptance of things. So usually things about like, uh, about hatred or, um, uh, I mean, just hatred's one of them or, or anger, depending on, on how you're raised, who you are, things that you tend to hold in, that's the shadow. So it's, it's, looking at that part of yourself again in therapy in a place where you're not judged because I would imagine if you even went to someone you liked and said well I'm having these thoughts and they're not socially acceptable thoughts um, or they're shocking thoughts they uh, you, you, it may do you more harm than good which is again the importance of, of therapy so it's it's examining uh, that shadow part of you in a way to uh, to feel better and the thoughts are just what they are. They are thoughts. Thoughts can't hurt anyone. Now, if someone has a thought, um, it's the, the therapist could ask the client's intention and if they have a plan to go through that thought, especially if it's a thought of, of hurting someone, uh, what's what's the intention and is there a plan? And then it's you know really discussing uh, what to do uh, from there. And if the intention, if there is intention and if there is plan and the client says, well, I am going to hurt someone like right after this session, then it's the up to it's it's uh, believe it's law. It's a Tarasoff decision. It's it's the therapist's duty to warn uh, the person that's going to be hurt. And I believe the duty to warn is dependent on uh, in the United States, the the state that you're in. And my assumption is if it's, uh, if it's not the law of the state, it could be uh, ethically feasible for a therapist to break confidentiality if the, uh, if the plan and intent is, uh, is there and, and the client plans to hurt someone. And if you Google just Tarasoff law or Tarasoff case or Tarasoff decision, you'll, you, can, you can read all about it. But this is a uh, podcast about Metallica not about the law, but it is kind of relevant if, uh, you know, about uh, uh, exposing that shadow and uh, realizing that there can be consequences uh, for that. So on that note, I think I'm good. I think this is it. So uh, if you want, feel free to, I don't know, feel free to contact me. Um, What is my email address? It's mmampodcast at gmail.com come and uh yeah i don't know try to follow me on on something on the socials cool so everybody have a good one and hopefully uh i can start releasing these a little more frequently but i can't guarantee anything but i'll do my best all right bye